Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. In this episode, we're going to talk about storytelling and how you can use it to grab people's attention and get more customers. It seems that we're all getting more and more overwhelmed with content these days. More blog posts are being published. More people are doing content marketing. More emails are being sent. Uh, more tweets, shares, likes. And it's no different for our customers. They're overwhelmed with information. And if you want to grab their attention, then storytelling is a perfect way to do that. In this episode, we're going to talk about what exactly storytelling is, how all of us have stories that we can tell, We'll share some hacks on how you can find uh, stories of your own, and we'll go through a step-by-step process for using those stories to grab people's attention and get more customers to view. All right. Today's guest is the Associate Director of Gatehouse, a UK-based communication agency. He speaks uh, regularly and uh, talks about how to build an audience and use storytelling to capture people's attention. And he's the author of the book, Hooked on You, uh, The Genius Way to Make Anybody Read Anything. In his book, he explains why storytelling matters in the business world and how you can use storytelling to get people's attention and eventually turn them into your customers. So whether you're writing emails, blog posts, or landing page copy, you'll discover how storytelling can help you be more effective at getting customers. So today, I'd like to welcome Ian Harris. Ian, welcome to the show. Hi, Omar. I'm really uh, pleased to be here. And yeah, it it all sounds great when you put it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the the intro. I should have used a story to introduce you. That would be even better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So tell me about the book. Like, uh, how, how did that sort of come about and why did you write that? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm from like a lot of my clients now, um, are, you know, these kind of big corporate clients, you know, the, the boring guys. So like Ernst and Young, um, um, like the kind of big four accounting firms. And, but in the past, like my, my background was this, from the you know, from the internet marketing world, right? So all the kind of, you know, like people like Frank Kern and um, uh, Perry Marshall and, you know, those kind of like, you know, you know, this kind of like gurus of, of the internet marketing world. And I, I would like follow them and um, be obsessed with all the kind of latest like stuff they were promoting. And I'd always like get emails from them and get their communications. And I'd always just read them first. And I, I always wondered why they were so you know, magnetic and why they caught my attention. And then I realized it was because they were just telling interesting stories and they were sort of talking about, um, a world that was very different from the kind of world that I was in. You know, I was working in a job and I was kind of, uh, eating a sandwich at my computer and sort of slowly dying inside. And so <laughs> it was very, um, it was just very, uh, interesting to me how they captured my attention do do you know the guys i'm talking about this kind of whole yeah yeah the guy so the guys in like either you know you know internet marketing uh i know frank and perry perry marshall yeah sure yeah all all those kind of names you know and i i used to kind of like follow i mean i still do it just follow all that stuff and they, they tell stories really well and i was just interested i started looking at storytelling and researching it and what i found was a lot of um, people talking about like the theory behind storytelling, you know, like, you know, the kind of um, the, the hero's journey and like how Star Wars and what conforms to this, like the hero with a thousand faces, there's this kind of like monomyth, this kind of complicated structure of how stories should be. You know, you've got to have um, like, there's a call to adventure and in a story there's the, um, the, the test of time and there's the kind of, um, mysterious cave and there's got to be the kind of guru at the top of the mountain and there's all these like elements of storytelling and it was just so complicated i couldn't i couldn't figure any of it out (laughs) it was like it seemed to be just for movie script writers um and all i could find about storytelling was um you know oh when you tell stories it releases a chemical in the brain and um 
you know, it was all kind of very sciencey and theoretical. And I couldn't find anywhere that just told you how to do it, you know, in simple, practical terms. So I decided to kind of, um, you know, just study all my favorite writers, figure out the techniques they were using and just see if I could, you know, write a really practical, tactical manual of how to get someone's attention with a story. And that that's what I've tried to do in, in hooked on you, my book. And I, I even give away like a, a big list of stories so that you can just go away and start telling stories and making your point with them. So I, yeah, I wanted to make storytelling as very simple and step-by-step as possible. That was, that was the goal with it. Yeah. And I think that's what I love about the book and, and the stories you mentioned, we'll talk about, we'll share some of those stories as we talk. Um, but that's what I liked about your book and how you you provide like a very simple kind of framework for anybody to be able to tell a great story. And I know there are probably people listening to this saying, yeah, but I don't, I'm not very good at telling stories. And uh, I think by the end of this episode, you, you might be surprised how, how well you can tell a story. And and I think when you were talking about that, I remember sort of being in the corporate world. And, and I remember having a meeting with somebody um, who was a potential hiring manager for a different job that I was looking at, you know, internally. And he mm. asked me, you know, we really want to sort of change the way we're kind of approaching building these products. And, and we really want to do more storytelling. And he was like, well, how are you with that? And, you know, tell me a story. And I was just like, what? You know, I, I was like, what the, f-? you know, what do I do? Right. And so I had no idea. Um, and I, I kind of like waffled around, came up with something which was completely incoherent. Um, and eventually just said, you know what? I, I, I can't tell you a story. And it was just, just this really kind of embarrassing moment. And I was just like, wow, I really suck at this. And, um, I remember speaking to someone after maybe I think it maybe was my wife and sort of told her about the experience. And she was like, what do you, you tell stories every day? So what are you talking about? And she said, you're all everything. You can't just say things like you can't just give me a piece of information. You always have to wrap it around some kind of story to kind of make it more interesting. And, and uh, I, you know, I wish you were more direct sometimes, but that's a different, different topic. <laughs> we can talk about that another time. Um, and, and, and it, it it was because I had that same kind of preconceived notion about storytelling. When someone says to me storytelling, I'm thinking about, oh, well, I heard, I always hear about this concept of a story arc and, and a beginning and, and sort of a, a protagonist and, and how, you know, how, how do I weave that into talking about software? Right. Um, and it's nothing like that. And, and it's just about we're all telling stories all the time and we don't even realize it. And I think that's hopefully what I want to kind of get through with this conversation. Um, not only pe- helping people realize that they do have a lot of stories to tell, but more importantly, how they can use them to be more effective with their writing, um, whether it is an email or a blog post or, or a landing page, as I mentioned earlier, and how you can use writing to actually get more customers. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that anecdote you said is so funny because, you know, that, that is what I found. I mean, there are people who go around and they, it's almost like the goal is to tell stories. They say, you know, let's, let's do, let's get into storytelling. We need some storytelling. Um, but it's kind of looking through the wrong end of the telescope. You know, your goal is not to tell stories necessarily. It's to, it's to capture people's attention or it might be to kind of build a relationship. Um, or it might be to kind of cut through the noise and stories are great for that. Um, but you know, there, there are means, there are means to an end. I mean, they can build, I've built my audience through just telling stories. Um, but my goal is to build the audience, not tell stories. So people, you get these people who are sort of story, they give Ted talks on storytelling and stuff. And the way they describe it is exactly as you say, they talk about this, uh, you know, the, uh, the kind of hero's journey and things like this. And, but, it's like they're the keeper of the secret flame. You know, they don't really want to, <laughs> yeah. they want to kind of um, have this myth around storytelling, but um, yeah, I, I kind of want to strip away all that. And the, stories are great, but there are 
what's great about them, the reason they're great is because they can build you a big audience and they can make people really want to pay attention to you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Are you familiar with uh, Andre Chaperone? I'm not. No, but his name rings a bell, actually. Yeah, so um, so he's... he's um, He's kind of a, a kind of an email marketing kind of expert, I guess, and and he everything he does is around storytelling, and he's very good at telling stories. He's the kind of person. If you want to kind of get an example, and you're listening to this, is um, you know, search for uh, Andre Chaperone. I'll include a link in the show notes and sign up for one of his emails, and you'll kind of get the idea of what I mean because he's kind of really taken the whole concept of uh, what TV writers do in terms of, you know, there's a big overall story with a TV series and then each episode has kind of like a mini story and, um, you know, they leave kind of these concepts of open loops where at the end of the episode, there's some kind of open loop, which is sort of something unfinished, which kind of makes you want to go and watch the next episode. Um, And he does a really good job at doing that to the point where, when I get an email from, from him, um, I, I, I kind of open it up before anything else, just to read the story. Um, mm. so I think that's a really good example, but even then in terms of what he does, I think is a little bit more sophisticated than maybe what I think most people listening to this really need to do. Um, and so I think that the framework that you've got is a really, really great starting point because it doesn't take a lot of work or, or a lot of, you know, years of study to kind of figure out how to do that. Um, before we get into that, just, sorry, go on. Well, I was going to say you're you're exactly right. And and the bar is very low, right? I mean, like I, I, um, in, in my industry, you know, I publish this kind of email newsletter and, um, the goal is to kind of market my, my services, right. Ultimately, but instead I kind of just tell stories tell stories about um that i think will resonate with that audience so so a lot of my um a, a lot of my audience uh are in the kind of communication industry and they um like i know that a lot of these people um people don't recognize how important their job is that there's a certain field that i serve called in- internal communication and those are the kind of audience that i'm i'm building and a lot of people don't recognize the value of what they do. You know, they think they're just the people who put the signs up that say the toilet's broken. You know, they don't realize they've got like a real strategic um, uh, function. You know, they, they don't realize they're important. So I kind of tell stories about that. And like one of the stories was um, 100 years ago, um, if you ate a lobster, it was like eating a rat, right? It was it was gross. Like lobsters were this awful, filthy creature. and in in certain in many states in the United States, um, it was illegal to serve prisoners lobster because it was a cruel and unusual punishment. Wow. Um, and and so I put that in an email and I said, you know, in our industry, we are we're, we're the lobsters, you know, because oh, a long time ago in our in our industry it was a cruel and unusual punishment because it was seen as such a kind of silly job, but now. Um, you know, we're kind of this uh, delicacy and, uh, you know, we're kind of a very um, important job and our, our fortunes have kind of done a 180 degree pivot. Um, so that that's kind of an example of how to use, you know, stories to kind of build like a professional audience and kind of get on their side. Um, but yeah, we, we can go into the into that a bit more later on. Yeah, and no, I think that's good because I think if we just kind of, you know, sort of deconstruct that, you could have just said the second part of that, um, provided the information in terms of, Hey, you know, uh, our jobs used to be like this and now they're like this. Um, but that's not as powerful as when you sort of tell that little story about the, the lobster. Uh, yeah. Right. But- so, so I think that that's kind of a really, that's kind of like, a, so my question really kind of stopped was we were going to kind of continue this conversation was in the context of what we're talking about, what is a story? And I think you just gave an example there, but is, do you have a definition for how the way, how you think about those? Well, you know, I mean, there's the, do you know what? The short answer is that no, I don't. It's anything that gets somebody, um, creates a movie in someone's mind. Right. I mean, what you've got to remember is that most people don't lead 
very exciting lives. Okay. They're not like, you know, they're not like you kind of hosting a rock and roll podcast, you know, <laughs> and like living this kind of on, entrepreneur <laughs> lifestyle. They've got a job and they're, they, they lead lives of quiet desperation, right? I mean, that that's kind of a, a cynical way to look at it, but most people don't do it, many exciting things during the day, okay? So for me, like, the, with, particularly with the audiences I serve, you know, I, I kind of, I'm trying to reach, build, build an audience of um, people in big enterprises who can kind of spend money with me at the end of the day. They, they, they don't hear many stories, you know? So like a lot of the stories I try and tell um, are about universes that they will find exciting. So, uh, music or art or, um, entertainment or space travel, you know? Um, and then I try, I tell them a little, a little story and then I pivot out of it into the thing that I want to tell them. So I'll say like, well, it's like that in our industry. And then I'll just make up a reason why it's like that in, in our industry. And and what happens over time, as you found with um, Andre Chaperone, you know, paying attention to his emails, over time, they kind of come to expect a little treat every time they open an email from you because they think, oh, this this is going to take me somewhere. This is going to, um, you know, I'm going to go on a journey for like two or three minutes and, and you know, it's going to be exciting. And, and if you think about most people's inboxes, they're really unusual place you know it's where everything comes together so you've got emails from your friends and family and your boss and amazon and the way like a lot of people treat their inboxes just like a twitter feed you know it's kind of catch what you can and then it's gone off the front page and you'll never see it but people don't sort their emails chronologically anymore they go straight to they look they don't even look at the subject They, they look at the name so if you can become a person in someone's life who um has a, a reputation for sharing interesting things, then you'll always um, be the person they go to, they open first. Um, and and the way, I suppose there's lots of ways to do that, but the way I know that's worked for me is just by finding interesting stories and sharing them with people. Um, and, and it's really no more complicated than that, you know? Yeah, so let's kind of... Um break it down for people a little bit. So you, you kind of talk about the concept of a hook and a bridge. Um, so maybe we can kind of maybe work through one example yeah. and see so, how so, people could do that. Should I give you an example of, of one? Um, so, so here's an example of like um, uh, a, a story that I might share. And, and this could be in an email or it could be in a speech. Like if, if I, if I, if you tap me on the shoulder now and said, you know, there's 500 people waiting for you to give a 15 minute talk. And I had no idea what to do. <laughs> I, I could just say some of these stories and I, I probably w- wouldn't die, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let me give you an example. Okay. In the sixties, um, there was, you know, the space race and NASA had a problem. And the problem they had was that, astronauts couldn't write in space um you know because ordinary pens they wouldn't work in zero gravity like the the ink won't flow or something so there's this story about how nasa tried to solve this problem and they hired a guy called paul fisher and he designed a pen that would write in space it 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 cost i think it took six months and it cost like 1.5 million dollars but he did it he made this pen that would write in zero gravity um and now, the, meanwhile, the Russians, the story goes, that the Russians had the same problem, but they used a pencil. <laughs> yeah. And now the story, I mean, as it happens, there's a bit more to the story than that. I mean, the, you know, they didn't, know, they didn't know about using a pencil, but the lead would chip off and go in the instruments and stuff. But I, t- I tell people that and I say, well, the reason that story is you still hear it around today is because it just illustrates this um, universal truth, right? Smart people waste time often creating these elaborate solutions to problems when a simple answer is right under their nose. Um, so that, that's an example of a story. And then I can just say, well, so here's a bridge, right? So how, how do I go from that story? So I've got someone's attention. So what you just described there with the NASA story is the hook. Yeah. Right? That, that and and a- now, now we're kind of looking for a bridge in terms of, okay, why are you telling me this? Yeah. So if I end it there, so I've, I've, so the story is what I call a hook. So that's um, 
if you open an email or if you open a blog post or if you open a speech with a story, um, during the, during the 1960 space race, NASA hit a problem, you know, now you're going to be engaged for the next two minutes at least, you know? So it hooks you into your seat and it captures your attention. So you come to the end of the story, but if you leave it there, fine. But where's the relevance? You know, you, you have to kind of arrive at some kind of point for your audience. Otherwise they'll eventually just tune out and there's no value there. So, but you can't just attach your mess, the thing you, the thing you really want to talk about because the two don't really go together. It's kind of a bit jarring. So what you need is a bit of glue to fix them together. And I call that glue, um, a bridge and a bridge is a really simple thing. It's like one sentence and I'll give you some examples of bridges now. So a bridge is, might be, I love this story because it shows, or it's, it's the same in our industry, blah, or, um, clearly there's an important lesson here for us, blah. And then you just go into your point. So, uh, see, it's very easy. What, what you find is that any kind of story that you find, and, and we'll go into where to find these stories uh, shortly, but any story that you find, you can kind of, you would be amazed how flexible those can be. You can make almost any point you want to from them if you just use one of those bridges to kind of pivot out of it. Um, yeah, I really like that. And and that, that, I think that's what it really boils down to, right, is <clears throat> um, having the hook, which is the short story. Um, and And as we said, by story, it doesn't mean um, all the complexity um, and some long-winded thing which takes you, you know, 20 pages to kind of explain. It's just a an example of something, an anecdote, an experience, something that people can can imagine as an experience in their own minds while you're telling them, right? I think that's about as simple as it needs to be. And while you were, <clears throat> while you were telling that, and I want to talk about where to get ideas for these stories. But when you start thinking the way I think that you recommend people do in your book, which is really about collecting the stories that you can use later, we'll talk mm -hmm. about that as well. Um, it becomes a, a much more, it, it becomes a lot easier to think about how you're, you're going to use these things. And and you'll realize that as you go about your day-to-day -day activities, you're going to notice a whole bunch of stories that you could use sometime in the future. And I'll just give you one, one example of this. It's like when I was living in London, uh, I remember going down to, um, um, uh, the sort of going down to Edgeware road near Marble Arch. Right. And there was, a there was some new fried chicken place that had opened up and uh, I kind of went in there and kind of placed an order and um, they, they got my order. No, no, they, they took, they took my order and um, then they told me after they'd taken my money, um, we're just cooking it, but it'll be ready in two minutes. And I said, okay, but the, the, the fryer that they were using for the chicken, I could see the timer on that was set to like 12 minutes. Right. And so suddenly I've got this thing about, well, you just told me two minutes and 12 minutes. So I'm going to, I know I'm going to be here for at least 12 minutes before you take that stuff out. It's like, you could have asked me before you took my money, whether I still wanted to wait 12 minutes for, for that chicken or not. And just even just a silly example like that, you can kind of tie up, tie into um you know things like, things like flexible. customer service yeah. right in terms of setting people's expectations correctly and and you know if you if you kind of mislead people what what the issues are so i think there's a whole bunch of things that just come out from a simple experience like that so it's i think it's great to go out and look for these stories and the nasa stories and let's talk about how to do that but i think all of us in our day-to-day -day lives will find we have a ton of potential stories we can tell. Yeah. And it's when you, when you start getting tuned into this stuff, you know, you suddenly a flip, you flip, it flips a switch in your mind and you, you're suddenly just looking out for little experiences that you've had and thinking, well, how could I share this with someone? Like, how could I use this to, um, to captivate an audience? Um, 
and I, I don't know, like like the the right there's a writer called Stephen Pressfield, and he he talks about um he like he wrote a book about writing, and it's really great. It's called um uh the War of Art, I think, and um he he says that when you when you tell it's like when you tell the universe you're looking for something the universe tries to help you and he talks about like it's angels doing it and stuff and i'm, I'm not sure that i want to go that far <laughs> but i think that's true you know i think it's called the reticular activating system in your brain you know when you when you thinking of buying a red car all of a sudden you see red cars everywhere and what you describe is absolutely true i mean when you start telling getting into telling stories and using them to capture people's attention so you can sell them stuff or build a relationship with them or whatever you want to do. All of a sudden the universe just seems, the world just seems to be full of stories that you can use. Um, and yeah, you're right that they're, they're really, they're really flexible. Um, you can use them to kind of describe or explain almost anything. So you, you, as I said earlier, you kind of recommend that people kind of create this sort of swipe file where, you know, a, a word doc, a Google doc, whatever, um, and start collecting these stories to use sometime in the future. Um, so where beyond sort of looking with, within sort of our own lives, where else can people go out and start looking for stories to collect? Yeah. I mean, so I don't know about you, but the, the hardest part for me when I have to write something is, is getting started. You know, I, I'm staring at that blank, blank page and I just once I've got the thing that's the hook you know once, I, once I've got the thing that's going to get their attention um I'm fine but it's just getting started that is a problem so what I do is I kind of collect I started just collecting stories that I thought oh that that's quite an interesting thing that would that would that's a really arresting image you know that would capture someone's attention so maybe I could use that in the future and I started just pasting them into um a word document. And, um, over time, like I realized that I was relying on this word document more and more, um, to the point where I decided to kind of make a conscious effort to like build this thing. Um, and and it's got to the point where anytime I have something to write before I go into Microsoft word, I, I kind of, you know, that blank page, I go into my swipe file, I call it. And like, I just go shopping and I pick a story and I just copy and paste it in. And then that's my, that's my beginning. So it just completely changes the way you write things. It makes it almost um, like going shopping and it, it, it speeds it up so, so much. So, um, but yeah, what, what, what I could do is kind of tell you, give you some ideas about where to find these stories. If that's, if that's okay. Yeah. Great. Um, uh, or in fact, maybe, maybe I'll just, I mean, if I just, I'm looking through my swipe file right now. I'll just, I'll give you a few little examples of stuff that's in there. Um, so there's, there's a fact I found about Paul McCartney. And he said that one of the biggest myths about the Beatles was that they were these like anti-materialistic hippies, you know, but there's a quote from him and he says, no, John Lennon and I literally used to sit, sit down together and say, let's write ourselves a swimming pool. <laughs> so like <laughs> they, that, that was their motivation in writing a lot of these songs. And uh, like, I like I know a lot of um, artists, you know, and they're always struggling to kind of uh, commercialize their work. So if I ever have to address that topic, you know, I'm going to come back and get that paragraph out of my swipe file. Um, I also found a fact about um, if apparently if you buy a turtle and you put it in a little aquarium, it will only grow to a size that fits the tank. So if you want a bigger turtle, you need a bigger tank. Now I, I haven't used that fact yet, but if I have to communicate like an office move, or if I have to talk about how um, a company is growing or, you know, there's, that's going to be a good kind of visual um, metaphor for that. So that's kind of in there waiting as well. So um, is that making sense? I've just got all these little nuggets in there waiting to be, to be deployed. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really so so, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I just kind of yeah. looking at a screenshot that you, you had in your book, it, it's, it kind of like just looks, the swipe file just looks like a Word document. It's a table with two columns. The first column is, you know, anything from a couple of sentences to a couple of paragraphs, which kind of tell a story that you've collected. And then in the second column, you've kind of just put some 
some kind of keywords as as a reminder of well, potential ways to use the. I think what what I I think what you're seeing is all the other all the just all the other little notes I've got about what I need to buy at the shop and stuff like that. It's just it is literally just um randomly pasted stuff. And I do I do training on this for people, and every time some someone says you know, why, why don't you have a database with, for this, with tags? And I'm of like, course. I know, I know I should, I know I should do that, but I'm just too lazy. So, um, and, and I like the kind of serendip- serendipitousness. I'm not sure if that's a word of, of just going through this and just truffling around and seeing what I can find. Um, just one more, there's, there's an, ex- I heard this story about, um, Steve Jobs when he, when he came back to Apple in 1997, one of his first decisions was to get rid of the Apple Museum that used to be in the lobby, in the foyer when when people walked through the front door of Apple. Um, he he said that he didn't want to be at a company that was living in its past, you know, because because Apple used to really celebrate all the old Macs and they used to kind of have this little museum. And he said um, he didn't want the future of the company to be affected by the best thinking of its history. He wanted to be living up to the best thinking of the future. And of course, after that period, you know, you got the first iMac and you got the iPod and Apple just took off. Um, so I, I'm kind of waiting to use that for um, for when I need to talk about how a company needs to be looked to the future rather than just rest on its laurels or um, something like that. So so that, that's the idea of a swipe file. Collects a load of stuff um, and it just helps you get helps you write faster now where do you find all this stuff okay that's that's the that's the million dollar question and for me the best resource that i found is um but biographies and, and autobiographies um a book about somebody is essentially just a collection of cool stories from their life right um so i've had a lot of success reading um autobiographies of musicians so like the rolling stones the beatles um anyone that people tend to admire or find exciting is a really good, um, is a really good target. Um, a a great thing to do is if, if, say you serve a particular audience is to just, just to go out and ask people who their heroes are and they'll, they'll tell you all sorts of names and you, you can kind of, um, go off and read a book about one of those people and collect lots of interesting stories about them because nine times out of 10 people who, Set, will tell you who you know this is my hero they've not really read up on them very much because a lot of people i don't know why they're not very widely read so when you can when you can play back stories about their hero and then align that with your message you know it, it's just it works like gangbusters I'll, I'll give you an example so i was doing some research into an audience that i wanted to um to, to kind of write for and i said um you know, who's your hero? And this guy said, um, he was like a sales guy and he said, Valentino Rossi. Um, and I, I, I had no idea who Valentino Rossi is. <laughs> Have you heard of him? Have you? Wasn't he a racing car driver or something? Yeah. He, yeah. He was like a motorbike racer. A motor- I don't know race. who, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have the vocabulary to describe what he does, but he was like the best motorbike racer ever. He was, he raced for, um, Honda who made all the, made like the best, motorbikes and he won i think the world biking championship like five times in a row he was complete completely unprecedented and then one day completely out of the blue um he announced that he was switching teams to yamaha who at the time made these like really crappy bikes and everybody thought were awful um and people were sure he would he didn't have this five million dollar super bike he was going to lose but he amazed everyone of course by going on to win it this trophy even more times and people said to him you know rossi why did you switch from honda to yamaha the best team to the worst team and he said it's because i wanted to prove that it was man and not machine um and i got that story i wouldn't have got that story unless i'd found out from this guy who is who his hero was um and it turns out a lot of people in his market also kind of uh, admired sporting figures like that and when I use that in some messaging, um, it, it just, it works so well. I mean, if you ever, if you ever use like an email delivery program, you can see how many people open stuff And it. I think this one had like a 300% open rate, which meant that people were forwarding it onto other people and it was being open multiple times. Um, 
but that that's kind of the power because I think in his market, no one would ever talk about like a racing driver, you know, in their messaging. Um, they would just kind of talk about, well, God knows what they talk about, but um, whenever you can find a world that's very interesting and exciting to people, if you can bring that to people in a story, then they'll pay attention to you. So, so biographies are my kind of go-to way to get cool stories. Um, now, the problem with reading books I, I will say is number one you have to buy them and number two you have to read them <laughs> yeah. so I, I found this kind of weird little hack um, about to kind of save a bit of time what, what you can do you know you know on a Kindle um, you can highlight stuff yep. I don't know if you've got a Kindle you can yeah well did you know that like you can go on to um, this website called kindle.amazon.com and you can see all the stuff that you've highlighted. So you can kind of go back to it and you can, you can see it through this web interface and it's really good. But what it will also let you do is see the popular stuff that other people have highlighted. Um, and that's useful because it will let you see that even if you've not purchased the book. So like if I type in Nelson Mandela into kind of this, this part of Amazon, um, it will, bring up all the books about Nelson Mandela. And if I click it, it will show me the popular highlights, the, po- the most popular passages in that book. And, and what people tend to highlight, um, I, I find, is the best stories or the best you know, quotes or anecdotes. So in a way, you're kind of getting the readers of Amazon to, to do your job for you, you know, find, finding the best stuff. Um, and this is a really cool part. It doesn't work for every book for some reason, because it needs like a some kind of critical mass of people to highlight it for this to work. But on books about Elon Musk and, um, you know, Steve Jobs, it, it works. And, and so the URL is, is kindle.amazon.com and you've got to sign in with your Amazon account and then you can, you can do that there. So that's kind of a good tip to, to find um, the best stuff from books. The, the, the other resource to find all these cool stories um, is the subreddit today. I learned. So I think the URL is, reddit.com slash r slash today i learned and what that forum is is just an army of 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 online nerds just sharing the weirdest stories they found so i think i found um so so one i found in there um someone told me like prince um i know someone's yeah here's one so someone told me that at disney world if you ever go to disney world at the end of the day, they play the background music a little bit faster. So they speed up the background music um, to get people to to go to the exits faster, to get people out of the park. And it's a subtle thing. But I love that fact that I found on that. And I've used it a couple of times. One was at um, EY, um, the auditor accountancy firm, to, to describe why, why we were going to, suddenly start increasing the pace of our communications about a certain topic. Um, and, and, and people kind of love that little, that little hook. Um, but that, that Reddit forum is a great um, place just to find unusual little facts and anecdotes that you, you wouldn't find anywhere else. And, and most people like, like in our community, you know, a lot of people are, are on Reddit and they know their Reddit usernames, but in, in the real world, <laughs> In, in the kind of in the actual world people have no idea what reddit is i find <laughs> they've never heard of it so they're never going to find this stuff and it, yeah it's just a great um it's just a great resource so so that's um th- those are my sort of two go-to places okay uh, so biographies reddit um we talked about the kindle highlights um mm-hmm. at kindle.amazon.com um and then i guess what we talked about earlier as well is just in terms of your own personal experiences that um, you may have a lot of stuff in your own life that's happening, which you kind of become more, more sort of authentic stories that you can share. It doesn't necessarily have to be about somebody else. Yeah. And I find they work once people know you, right? So if, if you've got like a warm audience and they've, uh, and they've kind of enjoyed your stories and they've, they've kind of got you categorized as somebody that they're going to pay attention to because, because you don't bore them and you don't waste their time and, you just share relevant, interesting things with them, then they'll listen to you. Um, uh, they'll listen to you, 
to a story about your personal life. If people don't know you, it's harder because they just think, you, you know, I don't care about this person's experience. Mm. So like the, yeah. the, the, the reason I go for like, um, the reason I, I try and read books about Stevie Wonder or Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones is because I want to like open my message with their name, you know, or, or yeah. NASA. I want to, I want to open with something that is just a big stick so, so yeah, so people, people will be, people see NASA or Stevie Wonder, they're much more likely to get engaged than yeah, what this is Ian more, and this, Omer had for dinner yesterday. Yeah. But, yes. Because, because you're competing with, um, you know, whatever the 20 other tabs they've got in Chrome or, you know, you, you just want to kind of grab their eyeballs and just say, Hey, look at this. This is going to be an interesting story that's going to take you somewhere that is exciting. Um, and once you have that trust, then you can definitely tell resonant stories that you've just experienced in your own life. Um, but I, I'd be careful about doing that until I, I'd earn that reputation. Like a good example of this, uh, there's a guy, I think you and I both follow called Perry Marshall. And he, he, he's another great guy to follow because he sends these amazing emails about his, and he talks about his experience when he was a kid of building, um, speakers from scratch and, I just find them really interesting and there's a lot I get from them. And I forwarded it to one of my, I've been following this guy for like, you know, as I'm sure you have for a few years. And I forwarded one of his emails one day to someone I work with who kind of thinks like me, but he's never heard of this guy, Perry Marshall. And I said, what, this is the definition of a fantastic story. And he was like, are you, are you kidding? I just lost, you know, I couldn't read it. It was too long and it was boring and I didn't, and it's because it's the same email, but it's just, he didn't have the respect for, for mm. the guy that yeah. I did. Yeah, that's you know? a good point. So, yeah, so uh, you've got to, you can, you can do it. I mean, and I'm sure, and I, I, like I, one, one example is, um, the best ones are, are still stories that you found that are about somebody else. So I'll give you, uh, I'll give you an example. Like I, I, I know this um, woman who, um, she decided to become a freelance writer uh, to, you know, to kind of make ends meet and stuff. And um, she, she left um, this difficult relationship to bring up her kid on her own. And she, she took on some writing work and it was, it was difficult because um, clients would like, you know, they kind of haggle the bill and they wouldn't really respect her and they'd always pay her late. And it just, it just wasn't working that well. And she, she told me that one day she, um, decided to try something different and she made one little change to the way she worked. And the change that she made was she changed her name. Right. And the name she chose was, um, was, was James Chartrand. And she, um, like, yeah. And she, uh, she said it almost instantly, uh, um, I've, I've, I've got this written down somewhere, but almost instantly it was like night and day, like, clients paid on time they didn't haggle the they didn't like haggle the bill they they um didn't ask for silly little changes and they didn't nitpick her work and um so taking on a man's name kind of completely um changed her business and it's just amazing i mean this was in like 2012 but it's just amazing that you know that she should still have to do that i mean women have been making um using a male pen name for centuries but it's just astonishing that in this day and age that's still true and I, I kind of observed this story and I thought, and, and sometimes I'm asked to speak at events where I know there's a lot of, uh, women because in my audience is quite, there's quite a lot of, uh, it's quite a female audience. And I, I always, you know, I often kind of tell that story, um, because it's just such, um, I call it like a sandwich dropper. <laughs> it's such a kind <laughs> of, a, it, you know, people can't believe it. And if I hadn't been, tuned into this whole storytelling thing i just wouldn't have that wouldn't have been buzzing around in my mind as a potential candidate to get people's attention um so yeah you, your your life is almost certainly full of amazing stuff and but you've just gotta as you said you've just gotta kind of tune into it and just for me the key thing is writing it down and keeping it in a little list because you never know when you'll get the opportunity to use stuff. And in fact, you'll actually start looking for opportunities to use these stories. Um, that, that, that's what I found. You actually, st you actually start with the story and then figure out what you want to communicate with it because the story is so good. It's 
burning a hole in your pocket. Good. Okay, cool. So I, a couple more things I want to cover. One is um, let, let's kind of talk a little bit about how you would apply this to say, let's writing a blog post, because that's something that a lot of people listening to this might be, it might be something that they want to or need to do. So how can we incorporate the the hook and the bridge and the story into a blog post? Um, and then secondly, I want to kind of cover uh, how you use what you're teaching here uh, to get business yourself. Um, so how, how do you go about like, right? Does every blog post you write start with a story? Yeah, because I suppose you'll go with a blog. It, it, it is, I mean, sometimes you, you have a specific thing that you're trying to communicate, but for, I don't know about you, but for me, the goal of a, a blog post is, is often just, well, number one, just to put a blog post up and number two, um, to get just to kind of warm up the relationship a little bit more, just to kind of get me more attention or, um, in the hope that people will share it, you know, so I don't, I don't have a specific goal to necessarily teach a specific thing, but it's just part of my, you know, relationship marketing campaign or my, my content marketing strategy. So I'll, I always open with, um, with a story and I'll kind of write the story and then I'll sort of sit there for about 10 minutes thinking what points I can make with that story. <laughs> and, and I know that's, and at first I thought I must be really weird because that, that that's really back to front. But then a few other people have told me that they do um, the, the same thing as well. And actually I found out that's how songwriting works. And this is really strange. Like when, um, I always, I was, I don't know about you, but I always imagined when people write a song, they write the words to the song and then they sort of get the melody around it. But I, I found out it's the other way around. Like they, like, like when, um, when the Beatles wrote, um, yesterday, the, they got, I think Paul McCartney said he, he got the melody first. So, and he was humming it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, he, the the words were just like a placeholder. I think I think the the placeholder words they used were um, scrambled eggs, scrambled, 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 <laughs> scrambled eggs. And then uh, you know, once he got the melody, he kind of filled in some words like "Oh, yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away." And and people think the words are the the starting point, but it's not. It's the melody. And and the same is true when I'm writing a blog post or, or anything really. It's it's that melody of of the story that's there first, and then and I just you know, I just think of kind of a point that I want to make. Um, yeah. And I'm sure when you, when you have, when you pick a story, you, you kind of intuitively know that that story is going to fit in some way with what point you want to make. Um, because, you know, I, I think obviously there's going to be some situations where you, you couldn't pick any story and, and try to bridge it. Right. Because some things yeah. we just wouldn't make, sense at all and yeah. people would just be like completely turned off by it but um so so i guess that there is some some kind of intuitive kind of feeling that this is the right thing to do and then within that you're kind of looking for a specific way to to kind of bridge to making that point yeah because you the, the audience that you serve you, you get to know who they are and you you end up what you find is that you end up finding stories that are kind of tuned to to resonate with those people like a lot a lot of people in my audience are um they sort of have this feeling that they're they're a bit misunderstood or underappreciated you know they feel like um people are always meddling with their work and um because because they're they're like communicators or they're in this kind of field of hr everybody else thinks they can do their job so i kind of look for stories that like pick that scab <laughs> you know so so i'll give you an example like i was reading have you ever read have you ever read zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance um, um i i've i've tried several times you tried but... to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i also didn't make it all the way through but i did get one um one thing from it he, he's saying that if you ever if you ever look at a mechanic working on like a car he he looks really grumpy and he the reason he looks grumpy is, is not because, you know, it's manual labor and he, he hates it. It's because um, he doesn't want to be interrupted because he, he's looking at this car and he's like, there's lots of 
diagnostic models going through in his head and he's working through this kind of process and it's a very like intellectual thing it's it's not a blue collar grunt work at all it's a very um cerebral thing um but but people always think that mechanics are just these grease monkeys but, but they're not and and the same is true in a lot of um professions people look at what they somebody does and they just see what's on the surface they don't really appreciate all the you know complexity that goes underneath it um and, and that's such a and, and I use that story because it's such a universal thing that people feel that they, they just don't feel that people understand them. Um, so, you know, a, a, anytime you can find like this universal, um, I call them hot button topics. Like any, anytime you can find a hot button topic that when you talk about it to someone, they just go, Oh my God, yes, that's exactly, you completely understand me. Um, then that's the, very powerful thing. So I'll kind of tend to look for stories that push my audience's buttons in that way. So they'll feel that like I'm on their side and and I understand them. Um, And, and, and that, that kind of, we've, we've found that that gets us a lot of, a lot of attention and and a lot of business. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like what, what, what sort of, how are you using this more to kind of get business yourself? So, so what we do is we have this like weekly, like, I mean, it's an email newsletter, you know, and it goes out and that it's, um, it's an autoresponder sequence. So, um, I, I guess a lot of people might know what that is. If you don't know, it's, yeah, it's I think most sequence. people will be familiar with that. So, yeah. Okay. So, so we, we just have these like stories that are queued up, um, and they sign up for like a lead magnet. So like a, a little ebook or something. And then every week they get pinged a, an, another story and be, just there are other kind of agencies that do what we do. And if, if you look at their email newsletters, you know, it comes through and it's like a template, like a MailChimp template. And it's got like a logo at the top and it's got like, welcome to this week's newsletter. You know, it's been a busy week and th- there's like box outs and side panels and features of like, you know, the three tips you must do for spring. And there's just too much going on. Um, but with us, it's like, it, First of all, it's just an email from me. So there's no template at all. And all I do is I tell a story. So, um, you know, uh, in, in our industry, um, uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to find a recent one. Um, so I, I might, I might tell that, um, story about how, um, okay. So there's something called the, I, you know, this week I, I learned there was something called the Ikea effect, and the Ikea effect is um, the idea that people place high value on things they partially created. So if you make a piece of furniture yourself, you you love that piece of furniture because you made it. Um, so it, then it might just go into like, you know, some ways you can use that in your, in your job. So maybe letting other people be involved in your projects or, or something like that. So it'll just start off with a story about that or maybe the fact that prints had like 50 fully completed music videos with like lights and choreography and smoke and machines just locked in a vault. Right. <laughs> so he would make all these, like these, mm-hmm. these, these uh, works of art and then he would just keep them and never release them. And I'd say, uh, you know, I think that's true in our industry. We, we often just w- we're afraid to ship our work. We're afraid to put it out into the world. Um, and so it's like 200 or 300 words, you know, just a little story, a bridge into something that's relevant to them and then a little call to action. And it doesn't sell us at all. It doesn't kind of talk about what we do, um, but they, they just drip through every week. And then what happens is that you get someone who replies and they'll say, oh, you know, can we, Oh, by the way, I've looked at your website. Can we talk about our project? And, and, and then you go and look at who that person is and you realize they've been like subscribed for like two years this one guy, um, a big transport company, he, he'd been in our sequence for like two years and just steadily getting this stuff. Um, and then out of the blue one day, he just comes up and goes, right, you know, I want to talk to you about working together. And that turned into like, I mean, now he's spent with us about a hundred thousand pounds, which is, which is a big job for us. And all that just came through about this constant you know, relationship that, that, that was being built through these stories, you know, every day, every once a week, he would just be taken away from his job for like two or three minutes by these little vignettes of, 
from Prince or you know NASA or. And or, did you have, did you have a, the call to action you mentioned in the email? Was it to, um, what what was it to to get in touch with you guys to read a blog post to do what? No, like. <sighs> I've changed it now, but for for a long time, I didn't have any call to action. So I'd have like my email signature, you know, and in that I would say, you know, getting in the email signature would sort of, sort of say, hey, you know, we are this agency, we do all this, you know, get in touch if you want to hit reply, if you want to talk about that. But I, in the body of the email, I'd never like talk about, um, you know, us. I'd always just talk about either the the kind of hero that the story I was telling or, or the person reading it. Um, so I'd never talk about those. And I, I think like that, that's what helped us um, give, because, because a lot of our list growth came from people forwarding these emails on in, inside their team. I, I went to a bank once. Um, I won't say which bank, but like one of the big UK banks and they'd actually printed out these emails and, and they had them in the binder. Wow. <laughs> like, and, and it wasn't because like of me, you know, but it was because, um, just these stories, you know, they, they thought they were really interesting and they applied to their role and they would show them to people and they'd, yeah, they literally, I remember it so clearly they, they showed me and they, they printed it out and they had it in a binder. And, um, and that's, that's the power. And sometimes you, you get people, um, who complain that they didn't, they didn't get it one week, you know, and to me, that just illustrates the power of these That's interesting. stories because because people complain that they don't receive what's essentially marketing. <laughs> yeah. So so I was going to say, so one other kind of important thing here is, were you, the stories and the points you were making, they, were they all kind of, um, they touched a a kind of hot button that you believe yeah. your target customers have. So it could be yes. like, so part of it is still about understanding who your target customers are, what their, you know, needs, their pains, their desires and all that stuff is. And then making sure that the stories you tell connect in some way to what these people are going through with, with their own jobs or lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you're trying to look for what, what nerve you can, what heartstrings you can, I know this sounds a bit cynical, but what nerve you can strike with someone because um, people just want to be understood and not many people give them that. Like if you think of a HR director, okay. So someone who is, you have the term HR in in the States, don't you? That's the thing. Yeah. We just call it HR now because I've been, I've been Americanized. (laughs) HR. (laughs) HR. So, so the, what I found, like, and I did, I did some interviews with some of these people to kind of find out what they actually care about, because there's a difference between, um, a lot of people talk to the role when they should talk to the soul. Um, so that's actually a kind of chapter in mine in the update to the the book that I'm doing at the moment, (laughs) talk to the soul, not the role. But when they're talking to like an audience, they talk about what they think, like writers talk about what they think that person should be interested in, you know, so like in the case of a HR director, it would be like attracting and retaining high-performing talent, you know, or the the challenges they're grappling with are, you know, setting the right attrition rate for employees and all that kind of stuff. The stuff you see on, link, on LinkedIn. But that's not really what they care about. You know, what they really care about is the kind of emotional stuff that's just under the surface. So an example is like if you're a HR director, you're always seen as the bad cop. You know, you're always the you're always delivering the bad news. But what people don't realize is that you're trying to land these blows. You're trying to soften the blows often. So if you're, if you're having to make lots of people redundant, you're actually, what they'll tell you is that they're trying to do it in a nice way, in, in, in a kind of less damaging way as possible. And it's the directors who are kind of telling them what to do, you know? So HR always delivers the bad news, but whenever there's any good news, it's these, it's the CEO who wants to deliver that himself. So they often have this hang up about being seen as the bad guys and not many people understand that. So when I talk about that in my messaging to them, it's like, it's like I'm their best friend, (laughs) you know, and, and that's such a powerful, like, you know, there's not, if you just know some of these people, you know what they kind of talk about when they've had a couple of beers. Um, so whenever you can play on that, that that's very powerful. So I look for stories 
or anecdotes that allow me to um, play on those on those themes. Good stuff. All right, and, and uh, it's very it's very easy to do. Yeah, it's yeah, very easy to do. yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's wrap up. Let's get on to the lightning round. Um, so I'm going to ask you a, a series of questions. Just try to answer them as quickly as you can. Um, ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? You can't strike oil by digging 10 one foot holes. <laughs> what book <laughs> apart from yours would you recommend to our audience and why? <laughs> um, I think it's the one I would, it's the, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. And why? Oh, you, you kind of talked a little bit about that. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's because like, uh, a lot of what stops us being successful is ourselves. You know, how do you kind of step out of like, we're waiting for inspiration to strike. And I don't know, like he just talks about how to actually get stuff done in a very, in a very practical way. So I really like that. And it's really good if you kind of consider yourself a little bit creative as well. I, I recommend that. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? <sighs> Uh, I think it's such a boring answer, but listening, like people do not listen. Um, they just steamroll over an audience with what they want to tell them. And they don't bother to find out what that audience or that market actually wants to to hear. And if you can just crack, if you can just dial that in correctly, if you can just dial that in right, you're, you're pushing an open door. Uh, what's your uh, favorite personal productivity tool or habit? I think mine is when I write, I use a program called I write. I, I think it's called IA writer. It's one of these distraction free writing tools and it just gets rid of everything. And all you can see is the text. And for me that like, a, that's, that's, that's how I kind of, that's how I kind of crank things out and how I, how I write. Um, cause, cause I've got like some little, some small children and when, um, the other tip I suppose is when, um, like I have to kind of, uh, when they go to bed, they want me to stay outside the door, <laughs> you know, like daddy, you still there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, shush. So, and I do a lot of writing on my phone, you know, um, like, a, like a, when I wrote my book, I wrote most of it on my phone in those like 15 minutes that I'm crouched outside the door. And, and what I do is I kind of just get it all down and most of it will be absolute rubbish, but some of it will be okay, you know? And later on you kind of piece it together and you just cut the rubbish and keep the good bits. And I, I found that I can be very, very productive by actually um, just using those tiny windows of time just to kind of get all my thoughts down in my phone and then editing it later. And that, that's something I talk about in my book. You know, you have to kind of get out of your own way sometimes to, to be able to produce stuff. What's a, a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Well, one thing I'm doing at the moment is I, I'm starting, I've got, I've started a project to help businesses or people tell their story th through a comic. So through a graphic novel. Mm. <laughs> so I'm working with this guy who's like a Marvel, he works on Marvel comics. Um, and yeah, the, the idea is we can kind of tell your story is like a graphic novel because the, the I'm not like a big comics person. I don't really like go to Comic Con or anything. I don't know anything about them really, but there's something about a graphic novel that you just have to read. I don't know what it is, you know. So I think that, yeah, it's called Comic Works, um, comicworks.co.uk. So that's my, that's my next, uh, that's my next thing. Cool. Uh, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? <laughs> well, re recently I got, I, I got a call from someone who, who turned out to be from the Donald Trump campaign, presidential campaign, <laughs> who had read my book um, and wanted to know if I would, would be interested in, you know, helping out with, with the campaign, maybe kind of like some storytelling stuff and some messaging work. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, like I, I got this call from a, like a 212 number, like this, this New York number, and I, I rang it back and it was like the Donald Trump campaign. And they were like, they had no idea who I was. I was like, oh, Okay. But then they rang back later and like, oh yeah, yeah, we know why someone read your book and and we, we had a yeah we, we we had a chat. I didn't um, we didn't go. For, I didn't. I decided to kind of. It's not for me um, in the end. But yeah, it was still quite funny to get <laughs> to get that call. Uh, that's a funny story. Huh? You, it, that's another one for your swipe file. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. That, that's a good intro to my book. Wow. And finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? Uh, do you know what? I, I, I'm gonna be, I don't really have any. <laughs> I've done no Thanks passions. for your honesty. <laughs> I, what, one, one day I'd like to kind of make um, electro, like trance music or electronic music. But because I think I love how um, like artists and DJs like Eric Prids can they can tell a story just with like four notes, you know. Um, I I just find it amazing how they can do that. But I've I've no musical talent whatsoever. So um, yeah, for the moment, just finding stories and kind of getting finding out new and interesting ways to keep people's attention. That's that's my uh, that's my passion. Great, cool, William. Thank you for. Um sharing your your experiences and and kind of helping us learn about storytelling um the book is called hooked on you and it's available in the amazon kindle store uh yeah if, sorry, go just, just just one just one more thing if, if if anyone's thinking you know oh how do i get all the you know i don't have any stories and like i i I'll actually, I actually, I'm actually happy to share my swipe file with people all, all the stories i've collected um I've, I've kind of just put it into like a word document so people can have it. it. It's very, very messy, but if you have a look, if you have a rummage through there, you should be able to find it. And um, if you, yeah, if you go to my website, which is ianharris.com, then like if you put your email in there, then like the first, I think the second or the first email you get has that in. Um, and then if you want to, you can like uns- unsubscribe, you know, you don't have to get more messages, but that 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 might be a good way to get started if you're just wondering how to kind of, you know, Cool. kick it off then yeah, I'll, I'll share tip. all my stuff with you um, and if folks want to find out about your company Gatehouse they can go to gatehouse.co.uk um, and what's the best way for them to get in touch with you they can probably the best way yeah just through my website or which is ianharris.com or you can email me which is ian at ianharris.com um, I used to be Ian Harris on Twitter but there's another Ian Harris in New York who's like a rapper and I sold him my Twitter name. <laughs> and so, yeah. And I had like, I know like 40 followers, you know, but he took it over. And what's funny is that now he started tweeting like, you know, Hey, what's up my N word. <laughs> and people are like, Ian, is that you? <laughs> what's up bitches? You know, I'm like, no, 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 it's a new Ian Harris. So, so if you want to look, yeah, so I'm not on Twitter. Don't go there. Go to my website. <laughs> cool. Ian, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And thanks, thanks for having me on, Omar. Yeah, I hope that was helpful. Cheers.